What a way to start the new year. Amen. You know what the Bible said in the book of Isaiah? Isaiah said that the Lord God shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. You know why I'm going to heaven? Because of that cross. Because Jesus Christ died on that cross and all the just demands of a holy God were satisfied in the death of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I've determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ in him crucified. And thank the Lord for that. The preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But to those of us who are saved, it's life and liberty forever. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 23. Jeremiah 23. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord. And I know, and I, and, and most of us, to be honest, we are kind of tired. We have parted out. Amen. Brother Ray said he had at least a thousand uh, celebrations or holidays in the last few weeks. And uh, seems like, and uh, I know that you're wore out a little bit, hung over a little bit. I hope you're from sugar. And, uh, but at any rate, I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Let's don't let the devil know we feel bad. Let's all just say amen. Would you do that? Amen. I'm glad God's on the throne. I want to preach to you this morning on this thought. I mentioned it over. By the way, let me say thank you, choir, and the special music from over at Coates. What a blessing that was. And for you to be a part of the New Year's Eve service, encouraging my heart. It's a blessing. Y'all are easy to preach to. And if y'all just go everywhere I preach, it'd be a blessing. Amen. And I know the choir sometime in uh, February, I think I'm going to be up in Greensboro again. And the choir is invited to go to Brother Eddie Southern's church. We always take about nine times more than they got up there. But it's always a blessing to them. They want us to come, want the choir to come back again this year. And that'd be a blessing. In your Bible, please, we want to find the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 23. And I mentioned this over there the other night. I want to preach to you this morning on I Have a Dream. I have a dream. And you're going to think that's unusual when I read this particular passage of Scripture because I want to begin reading in chapter number 23. Look at verse number 16. Jeremiah is preaching, and uh, the northern kingdom has gone into captivity. The southern kingdom very soon will go into captivity. And the sad thing about it is God told Jeremiah, they're not going to listen to you, but I want you to go preach to them anyway. He said, I've already determined judgment against them because I know they're not going to repent. And then after the book of Jeremiah is the book of Lamentations. Lamentations means weeping. And I, I realized after some years, just a, a year or so ago, that the significance of that, I, I've always known it was weeping. He was called the weeping prophet. But why was he weeping? He was weeping not just for their sin, but for their rejection of truth. They would not repent. He knew they weren't going to repent. And it broke his heart because he knew what God would do. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, he said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. Jeremiah knew what God could and would do. He knew what they'd do. But Jeremiah also knew that God had already told him they're not going to repent. And what, a, what, a, what an awful situation to be in, to go preach a message of hope and a message of conviction, knowing people are not going to hear it, knowing they're not going to repent, knowing that they've already been assigned the judgment, not because God predetermined that, but because they, because they had rejected truth and they would not respond. What a sad situation. But now they had plenty of preachers, plenty of them, just like America's got plenty of preachers. Notice what it says here in the book of Jeremiah. And notice in verse number 16, chapter 23 of Jeremiah, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, 
The Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. They say unto everyone that walketh about after the, walketh after the imagination of their, of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Now he's saying that you've got a lot of prophets, a lot of preachers who are telling you, boy, God's going to bless you and God's going to take care of you. And yet he said, these are the people despise me. Now, God is a God of blessing and God is going to be good. And the Bible does say God's promised to meet all of my needs and all of your needs if you know him and if you love him and serve him. And God will bless America, but only if America will love him and serve him and turn from their sin. He will. But these preachers were saying, you don't have to repent. You don't have to live right. You don't have to live for God. God, everything's going to be fine. Something good's going to happen to you today. But he said this. They're saying, no evil should come upon thee. Verse 18. For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he hath executed, until he hath performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, he shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. He said, if they just listened to me, if these prophets and preachers had just got before me and listened to me and then preached, my people could have heard the truth and they would have turned. Verse 23, am I God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret place that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? I have heard what the prophet said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers had forgotten my name for Baal. The prophets that have a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff of the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord? And like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one of them from his neighbor. Behold, I'm against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Behold, I'm against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all. 
saith the Lord. Will you bow with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, I ask, Father, in Jesus' name for your anointing and power. Thank you for the wonderful singing, Lord, for the beautiful instruments this morning. Thank you, God, for messages and song. And I pray, God, now that we'd hear from heaven from your word. Lord, what a great privilege to stand in this pulpit, in this place. And God, it's a, a sacred place. And God, I want to speak not my heart, not my vision, not my dream, but the word of God. I pray God the Holy Ghost would empower me. And God in 2011, I pray God as never before that God, you'd allow this ministry, this church to be a place of the book. Help us, our Father, that every teacher be filled with the Holy Ghost to teach. Every nursery worker, every Sunday school worker, every protein worker, every Awana worker, every phase of the ministry. It'll be all about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God that is eternal. And I pray, God, that you'd give your anointing. Now, God, speak to the heart of our friends here in the building and in the radio audience. And God, I pray, God, for those who listen by means of internet, God help us now to be obedient to you and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to notice in this passage of scripture, I have another passage I'm going to read to you in just a moment in Psalms, but I want to just deal with this for a few moments. Dreams in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, were of great significance. God did in fact speak to people through dreams and he spoke to them, showed them things and, and God used that. But I am convinced in the hour we're living in, that this is not a time for dreams, but for the word of God. And matter of fact, he gives it here in this passage of scripture. He said, these people have a dream. He said, but if they got a dream, let them tell their dream. But he said, they need to preach my word. My word's like a fire. My word's like a hammer. That's what we need. Right now, you don't need to have a dream. I'm, I am convinced that God does speak to us. He does it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. But I am not a big believer in dreams. Our daughter has a master's degree in psychology, and she studied all about that. And, and, and sometimes, you know, people have dreams in our family, and they say something to Becky, and, and, and she can say what, this, uh, you know, what they say, psychologists say, is the significance of that dream. Well, let me say this. God gave you the Word of God and the person, the Holy Spirit of God, the author of this book, to show you what you need to do. And you need to meditate in the Word of God. You need to spend your life not, not looking for some dream or some vision, but for the truth from this book, from the Word of God. God will speak to you. But now, here is a group of people who had what is called very clearly false dreams. They had false dreams. And a lot of people have false dreams. And here's a group of people who were prophets. And for popularity's sake or for whatever reason, they prophesied, preached a lie. They said, God is going to take care of you. God's going to bless you. You're going to have peace. Everything's going to be fine. You can live just like you want to. You don't have to repent. You don't have to turn to God. You don't have to do away with your idols. You don't have to serve the true and living God. God is a good God. He's going to still take care of you. That's just not the case. That's just not the case. Does God love every sinner? Sure. Does God have a compassionate heart for every sinner? Yes. Did Jesus die for every sinner? Yes. But he said, you must repent. He said, now is the time that you must repent. You need to turn from your sin. There's no need for you to think that if you're going to live in sin and, 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 and live in rebellion to God and you show him no respect for his, for his Bible, no respectful place of worship, that God is going to bless you just because he's a great God. He said, listen, he said, this people hear a false message and that is peace is coming your way. 
Can I say to you, if America will repent, if this people will repent, if individuals will repent, God will restore and God will send revival. But there'll be no revival until there's repentance. God, the Holy Ghost needs to move on hearts and people need to get right with God and be honest before God and get clean before God. And these false prophets prophesied a lie. But now let me call you quickly your attention to another place in the Bible. Turn back into the book of Psalms 126. Go back towards the book of Genesis and you'll find the book of Psalms quickly there. And in Psalms 126, and let me show you this passage of scripture that refers to dreams. Because there are in fact false dreams, but there are, I believe, faithful and fruitful dreams. That is ambitions or desires or or a vision. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. But now, if you'll study that passage very clearly, it does not mean some mystical experience. If you read that passage and even look at the context of you understand what that vision is. It has to do with biblical revelation. It has to do with the revealing of biblical truth. And he said where there is no preaching, where there's no exposition of biblical truth, He said, my people perish. And when the word of God is taught and preached clearly, then there's blessings to follow. And notice in this passage of scripture in Psalms 126, it said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Therefore, we are glad Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south, that they they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And he said, here's a scenario where people were like people who dreamed a great dream. I mean, it was a pleasant dream, not a false dream, but a real pleasant dream. It's when God turned their captivity. It's when God did a work in their heart and God brought them back. He said, then when God released us from the bondage, when we turned back out of our sin and turned to God and God forgave us and blessed us, he said, then we were like those that dreamed fruitful dreams and, and faithful dreams. Can I say to you in my own heart this morning, I have a dream. Not a, not, a, not a dream that God gave me in the middle of the night. But it's a dream that has been planted in my heart through the word of God. It is that, it is that vision in my heart, in my spirit for what I want to see God do. And I believe God wants to do. That is my dream. It's not some supernatural mystical thing. I do have dreams. Most of the time it's because I eat potted meat late at night. But, don't, <laughs> but listen, I'm talking about what God's put in my heart. And when I'm saying a dream, I, I'm talking about a reality. It's, it's not some supernatural thing. It's real. It's something God's got. God's put it in my heart where there is no vision, where there's no, no looking down the road. I told our folk over at Coach the other night when I preached, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave out of here believing God can. I'm going to believe God can send revival. I'm going to believe God can bless. Listen, but he will if we repent, if we'll get right with God. I believe God can. I believe God will if we'll repent and get right with him. What is my dream? My dream, my dear friend, is for this place right here. My dream, my heart, my vision for this place right here is that we would continue. And in, in fact, that we'd get more in line with being a first century church. 
I heard a preacher several years ago who was very controversial and they were accusing him and trying to mock him and, 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 and say that he was, he was living in the 18th century. He said, no, sir, I'm not living in the 18th century. I'm living in the first century. I want to be a first century church. Amen. First century church. I want to go back to basics. And you know what? Most of the teams that win ball games, they do, they do very simple things. They block well and they run well and they do the basic things. And I tell you, sometimes when a team gets too fancy, boy, they mess up. And so they'll come back to training camp and they'll get right back in line. And I'm convinced that God's people now more than ever need to get back to the basics. Back to the basics. I want this church, my dear friend, it's my heart, my vision, for this church to be like the New Testament church. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, you know the passage well. I'll just quote part of it for you. Simon Peter is there and the Lord asked the disciple, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, you're Elijah, one of the other prophets, so and so. He said, well, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to Simon Peter, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now listen, what's he talking about? He's not talking about upon Peter. No, that's what the Roman Catholics teach. In fact, the church is not built on St. Peter. It's built on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the architect of it. He, he's everything. He's the head of it. The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ said this, I'm going to build my church upon this rock, meaning himself. He is the rock of ages. He is the rock that shewn out of the stone without hands. He's that rock of, of trembling, that rock of, dis, of ju- judgment that's coming down the road. Jesus Christ is that rock. Now notice two or three things just quickly. Now he said, I, I will build. And it's all about him. He's the one does it. Now he may choose to use me, may choose to use you, but the truth of the matter, this is his intent is to build the church. He said, I Will. Now that means regardless of what happens, regardless of whether it's 2011 or 2010, regardless of what happens in our society, what happens in our economy, what happens in our government, Jesus Christ, until he comes back, is going to be building the church. He said, I will build. He's going to be the builder of it. And he said, he said, I will build my church. And thank God that's, that's what we're looking for. We want him to build his church. Now, how's he doing that? The Bible says in the book of first and Acts chapter one, verse eight, he said, but you're to tarry here until you be endued with power from on high. And he said, then you'll become witnesses unto me. And he said, you'll do it here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost part of the world. That's his plan. That's how he's going to do it with people empowered with the Holy Spirit of God. People who believe the Bible, people who believe the church. And that's where I want us to be. That's what I want to emphasize about this particular place where God lets me pastor is that we would go back and that we remain faithful to those basic truths. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to the book of Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter two. My, my, here's my dream is that we right here on this hill would have a first century church operate just as close as we can to what the Bible says, just as close as what it, it God intended for it. Now he said, I'm going to build my church. And so he said, I'll send the Holy ghost of God. And sure enough, he did in Acts chapter two, the spirit of the living God comes upon those in that upper room and God fills them and floods them. And look down, if you will, please, at this passage of Scripture. As they preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Boy, he's, he's building his church. The Holy Spirit of God came. And they preached a simple gospel. And, and 3,000 got saved. 
And then notice what it says, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every heart. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Listen, here's, here's, that, here's that pattern in the New Testament church. I, d- I don't believe that this is just a description. I believe this is a prescription for what God wants a church to be. If, if, if this is what he said he would do, this is what he wants done. If this is what he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish, that's what he means for it to be. And, and anything that we add to it that's not aligned with that, we ought to junk it and get rid of it and go back to the basics. You understand what I'm saying? Go back to these very basic things. What about a New Testament church? What about that first century church? What, what's the emphasis? Notice what it says here in this passage of Scripture, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That doctrine is the teaching of the Word of God. It's just not something the apostles came up with because the Bible says that He taught them. And all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, it says in the book of Acts, and then in the book, they continued to do that. They did what He taught them to do. He said, you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Then you're to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so what was going on in the book of Acts is they were teaching what Jesus had taught them. They were teaching the Word of God. And it's very simple. If you're going to have any, anything that represents a New Testament church, it's got to be a Bible-based church. It's got to be a Bible-preaching church. It's got to be a Bible-teaching church. Everything's got to be about the Word of God. And I want to challenge every person in this church that is involved in any kind of ministry. Whatever you do, anytime you get together, I want to challenge you. At some point in the beginning, if you'll take the Word of God and just read a passage of Scripture, I don't care if you're going to have cookies and donuts. You just take a few minutes through this whole year. It's got to be based on the Word of God, teaching Bible principle. Read the Word of God. I don't mean you've got to preach a long sermon, but I'm talking about we ought to emphasize the Word of God. Keep the Bible handy. How many of you have your Bible this morning? Hold the Word of God up, would you? You have your Bible. If you don't happen to have a Bible, I'll try to get you one. You ought to take that Bible. You ought to love that Bible. You ought to make it personal to you. Read the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. It'll be a part of your life. My dear friend, they taught the Word of God. That's the that's a preeminent thing. It was all about the truth of the Bible. It's all about that. Everything else that must align with that. Anything that detracts from that got to be done away with. It's all about the truth of the Bible. Here they learned the Word of God. But now notice something else. It says this passage of Scripture, not only do they continue steadfast in the doctrine, but in fellowship. And, it, and this fellowship doesn't mean that they just got together and ate. But they did do that, and I like to do that. But what this word fellowship means is not just talking about sitting around eating, but it has to do with interaction. It means that this group here has become a family. They, it has to do with their interaction. It has to do with their care one for another. And Paul just enlisted, enumerated it for them. He said, pray one for another, love one another, forgive one another, edify one another. You're to encourage one another, bear one another's burden. And that church did that. I mean, it was a church family. It, wasn't a, it was not a spectator sport. They didn't just come and listen to the singing and listen to the preacher, have some sort of entertainment and then leave and go home. They were a body. They, they functioned together. They were concerned about one another. They loved one another. And you know what? As I began to study this, me- uh, this uh, message and looked at it, my heart rejoiced because what 
I'm talking about is what God's already done around here for all of these years. And, but we have to guard it. We have to just keep it the main thing, the main thing. We've just got to keep based on the Word of God. It's got to be a preaching, teaching church. I mean, our Sunday schools and our, our youth ministries and our, our, our choir and our proteins, everything, it's got to be Word of God. We're trying to get the Word of God in the hearts because that's what builds faith. That's what cleanses lives. It's the Word of God that'll make an impact in, in people's lives. It's the Word of God that'll bring convictions. Word of God that will bring conversion. It's the Word of God that will bring comfort. You got to have the Word of God. You must have the Word of God. And it's my heart that we'll do that, that we'll remain a Bible teaching church and that we'll have fellowship, that we'll have that. And boy, people come in and they say, Brother Billy, you know what blesses me so much about Benson Grove is I can feel the love there. Well, that's part of it. Well, they had it here. They were all together and had all things common. That was a result of the Word of God and the working of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus does not want a bunch of segmented, divided up, split splinters. He wants God's people to be together. Keep in mind, there are no denominations in this situation. There are no boards. There are no constitutions. There are no bylaws. There are none of that. It's the work of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost of God. That's what it is. That's what God does. It's not human instrumentality. It's not corporate organization. It is the work of the Holy Ghost of God. That's what he wanted. He wanted that to be a functioning body. But it says they not only continued to do that, but they also continued in the breaking of bread. Now that has reference not to eating again, but it has to do with the Lord's Supper. And previous to that, they mentioned baptism, that they were baptized. That day was a baptized, 3,000. It has to do with the idea of keeping those church ordinances and make it important that you fellowship with the Lord and that you reach souls for Christ. One speaks of conversion, people getting saved. Baptism is not conversion. But my dear friend, how can a church say it's a church and go year after year after year not baptize one person, not see one person saved? This New Testament church baptized. If I go through all the scriptures that I've got this morning, I can show you it goes right on all the way through the whole book of Acts. And, and in almost every chapter it says, and there were souls added, people saved, many believed, so on like that. It's over and over again. People are getting saved. A New Testament church is one where people are getting saved and getting baptized and growing the Lord. It's where they worship and where they worship Jesus and the whole emphasis is on him. It's all about the preaching of the word of God. It's all about teaching the word of God. It's all about getting the gospel out to lost and dying world. It is it's a, as, as a body ministry. It's a worshiping believers. But then notice the next thing. It says, and they continued in prayers. Brother Ray mentioned it again this morning as I did on, on uh, Friday night. We must pray. We must pray. Dr. John R. Rice has a book called Prayer is Asking. And I, pre I, I agree with what's in that book. And I do believe that, understand that you call upon him. You have not because you ask not. But I learned many years ago from personal experience that prayer is not only asking, but prayer is cleansing. If you'll stay close to God, if you'll stay close to God, my dear friend, you'll, you'll, he'll, you'll stay clean. And as you, if you're earnest in prayer, morning, noon, and night, if you get along with God and pray and ask God to bless the preacher and ask God to save souls and pray for your family and pray and just get a hold of God and say, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way. They were a praying church. I mean, listen, I mean, that was their, they did that. It wasn't left to the preachers to do that. It wasn't left to the apostles to do that. They were a praying church. My, that's my vision. That's my heart for this church is that we would have those type of things, that we would see that, that we'd be a New Testament church and that God would move here in this way in a very unusual way that God would do that. Listen, notice what it says. And they continued steadfastly. That means in spite of opposition. 
That word continue means it's not just a a repetitive thing, but it has to do with an earnest striving toward. They, boy, they had to fight. And in in the world you're living in, if you're going to stay a simple church that preaches the Bible, that believes in worship, that believes in a, a body ministry, that believes in prayer, you'll have to fight. Because there are so many things coming on the scene. There's all types of attack of the devil. So many subtleties. And so many churches and even big ministries. The word of God has been relegated to the lowest part of the thing. You ask people, why did you go over there? Well, because of all the activities for the young people. Because of all this and because of all that. Now, please understand, I'm going to say some things about that in a minute. My dear friend, the main thing ought to be the main thing. And that is the word of God. The Word of God. If we get away from that, we've got away from God's pattern. This is the pattern. This this is the description, but it's also the prescription for what he wants his church to do. To teach the Word of God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then you teach them to observe all things. That's my heart. That's my desire. And to see us not change, but to intensify our efforts to do that. But then let me hasten on this. I have a dream not only for that first century church, but I have a, a dream for faithful involvement. Faithful involvement. It says here in this past scripture, all that believed were together. All that believed. Now, wouldn't that be unique? Most churches, you can talk to anybody in church you want to. Sunday morning, you have a big crowd like we do. Sunday night, you can cut it in half. Wednesday night, you can cut that in half, if, if, that, if, that, if that's the case. A lot of churches that just got so discouraged, they don't even have a Sunday night service anymore because you don't have people who are faithful. My, my heart, my dream is for faithful participation. That is for all. Wouldn't that be something? For every person who's saved, for every person who's saved to be involved in the ministers of the church, to be faithful, forsake not the assembly of themselves together. And listen, can I remind you of this? God's going to use people. God has never promised to feel methods, but he has promised to feel men with the Holy Ghost. God will feel you. God will use you as a man or woman. God will use you. And it's my dream. My dream is for every person. My, I, I've prayed this for every revival we've ever had. Praying for Randy coming this week. That all of our church family, we've advertised this outside the church, at least uh, in revival ever advertised. But you know what? If every person on the roll of Benson Grove Baptist Church would come, we couldn't get guests in here anyway. This building would be filled to overflowing. If just our families, our church families and their family would come, this building would be filled overflowing all together, all together. Listen, Jeremiah wept because they would not hear the word of God. Listen, why don't you just take this first revival of the new year and determine in your heart, all that believe we're together, all that believe we're together, everybody being a part in book of Acts chapter 8 it says that they were scattered abroad because of persecution and it said they was every person was scattered everywhere and but all those who were scattered they went everywhere preaching the word I mean all those who were scattered everybody went out to tell about Jesus everywhere they went faithful participation that's my heart that's my desire that they would do that but then let me say this to you and I'm going to just kind of sum this up this is kind of homey for us but I have this vision in my heart and I believe it's biblical to accomplish, uh, to accomplish what God wanted. He said, you stay there in Jerusalem till you be endued with power, till you be endued with power. And then you go, he said, Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the other most part of the world. Here's my heart. Here's my vision. Is it not only will we see all those things I've talked about here, but is my heart 
that we can fulfill world evangelism as never before. It's in my heart to do that. I, I, I have a vision in my heart. Somebody told me, one of our men told me that when we paid this bill and I said, preacher, you need to start another building right now. You need to start another building right now. But I, I, I had it in my heart, but not my plan because I knew God's got a plan. But here's, here's part of it. I'll just say this to you. At some point in time, I want us to build what's, what we'd call a Christian life center. And to have it before we can have all of our wanna activities in there. It'll have classrooms. It'll have a, have a gym and all those things. And you say, well, Brother Billy, that's, that's, that'd be worldly. No, I'm not talking about having it for, just for fun. I'm talking about for doing world evangelism. I talked to Brother Tom Feliciano last night. When I went to the Philippines, I took them, I took them three basketballs and three volleyballs. You ought to have seen them. They were tickled to death with it. Tickled to death. Why? Because they love to have a good time. Well, they do like to play basketball. But you can take a basketball and dribble it anywhere in the Philippines. And it's like sending out a, 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 a signal on, a, on a, a boom box. If they hear basketball coming, kids will come from everywhere. And Brother Tom had a sports evangelism last week. And they had a basketball, had, some, had, a, had basketball. And people came, had 24 teenagers got saved for the glory of God. They used that basketball for Jesus. And listen, uh, we need to build out here a Christian life center. We would have room for our wanters, for our protein. Besides that, if we're going to have 700 teenagers, we're going to have somewhere to put them. And I believe God's going to use that. I believe God's going to raise up these schools around here full of people, full, thousands upon thousands of them. We've seen them in this building when Randy Hogue was here. Feel this building overflowing. Where'd they come from? Right here, right at us, driving distance. They are here, thousands of them, thousands of them. And we need to do that. That's in my heart vision to do that for two, for the re- to reach people for Christ, to do what we need to do for the glory of God. It's in my heart, my dear friend, to expand the electronic ministry of this church, to expand the electronic ministry. God's blessed the highway shepherd over these years. Thank the Lord for all of you who pray for that. I want to say thank you for those who came on Christmas Eve. That was, that just, that was my highlight of my Christmas, I'll be honest with you. 80 people here, Brother Jason, Peggy, and all those who helped cook, fed all that crowd, had a little bit left over. That was amazing to me. But we did 469 bags, and then you went and put them out. And I thank the Lord for that. I've already got emails and phone calls back from people across the country who, who've done that, who, uh, who got the bags from us. And God's blessed in a wonderful way. And I thank the Lord for that. But think about the potential of, hand, of electronically delivering the message of gospel around the world. Already, uh, Jim and, and Joe Barry and some of them are looking at the possibility of streaming our services live. We are live over the internet, but I'm talking about there's a capability. We're limited on the band that we have now, but where we can open it up to where thousands of people could listen to us and watch us broadcast the services live worldwide, audio and video around the world. I, I have a burden in my heart to use television somehow for the glory of God to get the gospel out. I think everybody ought to be here. And I, I believe with all my heart, here's my burden, is that we could get the word of God out around the world. This morning I had a wonderful phone call. I don't know about you, but the devil's been fighting me ever since Christmas. But this morning as I had play, prayed and prepared and got ready, I was just right there near the end getting ready. I got a phone call from Jonathan Parnell, Brother Barry's grandson. Brother Jonathan called me this morning. He said, Brother Bill, I want to tell you something, be a blessing to you. And he said, my good friend, Stephen Wagner, has been on a mission trip in Asia. He was in, he was in uh, Vietnam and in Cambodia. And said he was at a bus stop in Cambodia and listening to some of the uh, Cambodians talk, speak English. And he picked up on them that they were probably Christians. 
And one of them all of a sudden said, but remember, the birds are still singing. And Stephen walked up to this boy in Cambodia and said, where did you hear that? He said, oh, there's a preacher in America that preaches a message on the birds are still singing. High in the world, they heard that in Cambodia, I don't know. But I want to praise God for that. I want to praise God for that. Hallelujah. Here's my heart to get the gospel out around the world, out of this place that thousands might come to know Christ. Preaching the word of God, not compromising the truth because the only thing that will save them is the truth of the gospel, the word of God. And that is to expand the E-teams, the outreach electronically around the world. And then it's in my heart I, I, to have some missions when we were over in the Philippines, I saw how God blessed. It does several things. It causes the church to be more in prayer for outreach and for ministry. It gets more people involved and it gives you an outlet for these young preachers and for other people who want to serve God. It's in my heart to start a mission. I've already talked to a few people about it. I want to start a mission church somewhere in this area. And then another one and then another one where they'll preach the word of God, where they'll do what God wants us to do and just simple New Testament Bible-believing churches where God can use for his glory. It's in my heart to start a mission not far from here and I believe it'll be honor, it'll honor God. It's in my heart for you to be involved in missions worldwide through your prayers and through your giving and through mission trips. Already Brother Brad is planning a mission trip for our youth group this summer. And then right now, please pray for John and Peggy Langdon. They're in Belarus right now. Some of the folk from our church on the mission field, you pray for them. Russ and Judy are making plans now. They've just been accepted. If you were not here Wednesday night, they've been accepted at the mission board that they wanted to go with. And they are going to be going sometime in the spring down into... uh, Bolivia, I'm sorry, and to Bolivia. So please remember them as they make preparations. God leads them. But it's in my heart to do that, to get the gospel out around the whole world for the glory of God. God can do that. God will do that if we'll be obedient to him. Will you? I want to ask you a question. All that will leave were together. Would you want to be a part of that? Would you want to be a part of that? I'm thankful that God's raised up so many but I, I see so many things that we can do for the glory of God. I want to thank God that God put Brad and April, their family here. What a blessing he's been. And then now he's helping with the teenagers as well. But Brad did not, God didn't send Brad here to do what you're supposed to do. He didn't send Brad here to, to do the music so you wouldn't have to sing. That's why he's got new folk in the choir. That's why we need to fill the choir up. Some of you out there, you can sing and you just won't get up here. Some of you are lazy. I know what the problem is. But you need to come. Make that commitment. I mean, to get up and sing for the glory of God. Come and get in the choir. Pray. Fill the choir up. We can put out chairs if we had to for the glory of God. What a blessing. What a blessing it is. And listen, my dear friend, you, everybody involved in doing something for the glory of God. But, but then God sent Brother Tim and Wendy here. And what a blessing. But he did not send Tim and Wendy here to do what, we're, what you're supposed to be doing. These people are leaders. They're to help to guide us. And that's why God is blessing so in the care ministry. Thank you for all of you who are writing cards and making phone calls and making visits. And you don't know how it blesses my heart. Even though our crowd's off a little bit in the auditorium, we're going to build that up too. But my, I, I, I'd love to see every member of this church involved in the care ministry. Every, every minute. Wouldn't it be something if we had 300 people and you take one hour a month 
break it up and, and, and have it to where we'd have, you know, 75 people on Wednesday night doing care ministry, at least 75 every Wednesday night. 75 people writing cards, 75 people praying, 75 people giving out bags, going to visit nursing home, visit the sick and shut in, and going to soul winning visitation. Wouldn't it be a blessing as well as everybody else in here? My dear friend, it all starts right here. Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. It's my prayer that we'll be involved in all those things. Now, I'm just going to quit my message. Regina said some time ago I just stopped and I've gone over but I want us to stand together with our heads bowed. Here's my dream, that we, that we would continue to do what we're doing for the glory of God, that we eliminate anything that hinders the preaching of the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God and the winning of souls, that we would not be weighed down or distracted by other things, but to keep the main thing the main thing, that we would be a loving, caring, ministering, body ministry church where we minister to one another, love one another, accept, and, 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 and want to reach every person we can. The church in the New Testament was a growing church by leaps and bounds. You add 3,000 this day. Next day, you add 5,000. Next day, it's multiplied. That's the way it grew. And there was places and everybody was involved. You didn't have to entertain the folk. They all were involved in ministry. All that were believed were together. They were involved in every one of them. And the way to be happy at a church is to get involved. I mean, get involved in the care ministry. Get involved in the choir. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Pray much. Read the Word of God. Saturate your soul with the Word of God. And I know this morning, I've not preached the gospel. But my dear friend, the greatest joy of your life would be if you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. For you know Him. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to know Jesus Christ loved you and died for you. And the reason this building is here, the reason these lights are here, the reason the sound system is here, the beautiful piano music is here, is because Jesus Christ has authored all this and orchestrated all this and created all this to get the gospel out so you could be saved. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but he died to save sinners. I'm glad he still sees that cross. I'm glad he still sees the sacrifice of his son who is the propitiation. He satisfied all the demands of a holy God. And this morning you can trust him. If you're not saved, I beg with you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved.